This is Bless You Boys Podcast 113, recorded Friday, May 23rd, 2014. Blame it on the Zubas. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. Bless You Boys podcast. We're the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com. SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog kicks around the past week of, well, half good and half pretty darn bad Tigers baseball. I am your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. Joining me, as always, is the man uh, who's... Actually, I, from at least the impression I've gotten on Twitter, Hook Slide, is that you had a pretty rough week on the managerial side of things as well on the Tigers side of things. I sure did. My my little league team has has fought and fought hard all year, but for the first time in eight games, they uh, they got shut out in in our only game this week, and that's just not normal. Mm-hmm. So it's just been it's been bad baseball all week. Yeah, yeah. And as Brad Osmus said um, after the last couple of losses, every team goes through stretches like this. So I guess your Red Sox are going through one of those stretches. They are, but unfortunately, I don't have a farm system that I can draw from, so this is it. <laughs> no cord evils for you, unfortunately. <laughs> That's right. All right, and actually, we have a a surprise guest. Well, it's a surprise in that he decided to join us just as we were getting ready to record. That is, you know him, you love him. He is the the curmudgeon of the podcast. The uh, He's a columnist for the Detroit News, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys, does all kinds of things for SB Nation. And he's actually pretty much hated on Twitter, and that would be Kurt Menching. Welcome back, Kurt. We're thrilled to have you back. Why am I here? We're wondering that, too. <laughs> <laughs> because we couldn't do it without you, Kurt. You know, you know, I was requested on Twitter, so I'm, 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 whoever did that, I, I am here for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a comment on the last uh, podcast post. I saw that somebody somebody had it was Mr. Sunshine. In I fact, believe so. Said, you guys really need to get one more voice in there. <laughs> so, welcome back, Kurt. Yeah. Well, yeah, but there's, I think that maybe that one Twitter user wants you on the show, Kurt. But there's about a thousand or ten thousand other Twitter followers who are pretty upset with you right now for your comments that you made during a game. Well, they don't want me on Twitter, and I'm okay with that because I don't want to be on Twitter either. <laughs> Well, that's funny. The thing is, is that I guess way too many Tigers fans, Kurt, are believers in jinxes, believing that you actually cost the Tigers a victory because you you were happy that Joe Nathan was entering a game. What, what's the big deal about that? God help it. Be happy about Joe Nathan. Oh, my God. That <laughs> is the worst thing possible. <laughs> and then you start getting replies essentially saying, I hate you. <laughs> I, lo- I love to be hated. I want to be the I want to be the villain. Make me your villain. I thrive on your anger. Right, well, it's got him. Yeah, it's already got him fired up. So, 
All right. Uh, before we get sidetracked on Kurt's anger, let's uh, a little bit about the podcast, and we'll talk a little Tigers baseball. Uh, you want to contact us? You're always on the Twitter, as we've just been describing at Bless You Boys. It could be any one of us on the, on Twitter. We'll, we'll try to keep Kurt off to the side as much as possible. Thank you. Yes. Uh, we're also on the Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers, or just search Bless You Boys on Facebook. We we have a lot going on there, and we actually seem to be doing pretty darn well. We're, getting, we're doing very, very well on the Facebook. Please uh, go there and like us. And, of course, you can email us the old school way, bybtigers at gmail.com and bybpodcast at gmail.com. It's All scary right. that email is old school. I, oh, thought, yeah. <laughs> I thought ink and paper and, and licking a stamp was old school. Now email is old school? The email is old school because no one writes letters anymore. Oh, my God, I'm old. I mean, no one writes oh, checks do. anymore. My God, I mean, come on. Well, my mother does. Oh. Yeah. And they still write letters. I don't know how they got my home address, but I get all the, I get all the actual written you know, pen and ink mail. Oh, boys now. Or is it just where they cut out the letters and you know and say stop writing or we will kill this dog or something like that? Or yes, <laughs> it's ransom notes, but I, I suspect that they're all coming from Kurt anyway. Yeah. All right. Speaking of, um, they are well really bad things. Uh, the Tigers are in the midst of a pretty actually their worst stretch of baseball of the year, without a doubt, and probably will be one of their worst stretches overall this entire season the way they're playing right now. They've lost four in a row. They were swept in Cleveland. Cleveland uh, series was uh, was pretty darn bad. Coming off of a 11-a-game road-winning streak, they won six in a row and beat some pretty darn good teams in Baltimore and Boston. They come into Cleveland and will crap the bed. Uh, two losses were in extra innings. One was via a walk-off balk. How often do you ever see that? Uh, it was just, I don't know. Well, let me ask you, Kurt. Do we blame the plane because the first game of the series really – turned into a bit of a cluster because uh, they were delayed getting out of Boston. They didn't arrive in Cleveland until about three hours before the game started. Or is it the, the Zubas that were uh, causing all the problem, or is there something else? Well, it's hard to say. Here, here's the thing. People go, oh, they're professionals, like, mm-hmm. like they're robots. They're yeah. still humans. I mean, if you were sitting on an airplane on the tarmac at 3.30 and then everyone got you off and sent you to a hotel for a few hours and then – you're going to fly, and then, oh, no, nope, not yet. And, oh, okay, let's, no, not yet. And, and then you, you arrive three hours before your friggin' game. You might not feel so good either. So, I mean, the airplane might be part of it, but uh, teams lose too, and it was bound to happen eventually. So who's to say? Uh, do you think this was just maybe just a wake-up call hook slide? Because I think everybody, including us, were getting a little giddy over how well the Tigers were playing and how well the season had gone to that point. And, you know, maybe even the Tigers themselves, who seemed really, really loose. If we, you know, if Twitter and Instagram were just flooded with the Zubas picks and things like that. you think everybody just needed a little wake-up call and this last four-game stretch will do it? No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> I really don't think it had anything to do with the... Uh... I don't know, some baseball gods controlling the universe and, well, now you, now you need a wake-up call or whatever. It, it, I think it has a lot to do with just sheer exhaustion. Yeah. Um, I was saying on Twitter yesterday that there had been uh, a stretch of 20 days mm-hmm. and the Tigers have played 19 games in 20 days, and that's, that's, a, that's a long stretch. You know, to go uh, – and, and the, you know, the, the screw-up in Boston with the plane, mm-hmm. uh, that, just, that, that, that takes a lot to, uh, to bounce back from that kind of you know, mental and physical exhaustion – and like you said, teams lose, so I guess mm-hmm. it's, it's a perfect storm. Yeah, it's uh, and make it and just maybe uh, 
drive that point home. It's not just the stretch you've mentioned. I believe the Tigers are in a stretch of 50 games in 52 days right now. They're about halfway through that. And uh, even we're feeling it. And if we're feeling it, I can only imagine, Kurt, how the Tigers are feeling right now. And as we saw by the bullpen, uh, they're getting kind of tired. And if anyone would know how often the Tigers are playing, it's the guy who writes 3,000-word recaps every night. So. No damn kidding. I, I was exhausted after the last couple of games. And it makes it even worse when the t- team's not playing very well. And so it's it's been very unpleasant. I would have had a six-word recap. This game sucked. <laughs> Wait, that's what, only three. That's only, that's only three. What are your next three words? <laughs> it really sucked. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, but, but I forget what Al asked, but I think I think that you know the pitching has just not been there. That you know the the starters who are normally reliable, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer gives up seven runs. I mean, you know, so it's, it's I think it's just one of those fluke things. And yeah, the bullpen's going to get a little worn out too. But I mean, you know, it, it's the starting pitching has actually been the issue here for the, for the most part these past couple of games. You know, more than anything else. Yeah, it's. Uh... Well, that kind of leads into the next topic, is that really a lot of things have gone wrong, but for the most part, the offense has been relatively steady, you know, save for you know, the, uh, you know losing uh, on Thursday to the uh, Rangers. And, I mean, come on, scoring two runs against Wu Darvish, that's not a surprise. But uh, overall, it's really the blame can be pointed at the starting pitching. The starters are having their worst stretch since I know we all remember how bad it was then, that brutal A series last August at home where uh, I believe it was Verlander and Scherzer and Doug Fister couldn't get past the fifth inning in any of those games. So, hook slide, more than anything else, I guess we can just say, you know, this team goes as the starting pitching goes, and right now the starting pitching is not going. Baseball goes as the starting pitching goes, right? Mm -hmm. So, and. I think I mentioned last week that, you know, I've been kind of reading through Sparky Anderson's uh, memoirs, the diary of the 84 season called Bless You Boys. Mm-hmm. And I went back to it last night because I know the 84 team went through uh, three stretches of four-game losing streaks. Right. And I was kind of curious to see what the circumstances were around those games. And it, it, they're actually eerily similar to what we're seeing right now in terms of the, the starting pitching just blew up yeah. for them in 84. You know, and Jack Morris got rocked and Milt Wilcox got rocked. And it just, yeah, if you don't have the starting pitching um, – it's not going to go well. The offense can't keep up at that point. Yeah, and really, this the stretch we're going through right now, I think, was very, very similar to what happened to the Tigers at the end of their 35 and five streak. You know, the entire world was talking about them. They were just crushing teams. The team they were going, they were going into uh, Seattle, a team that they had swept a little more than a week earlier, and. Really, we're the talk of not even just the baseball world, but the talk of the sports world, talk of the news world. And the Tigers, to, uh, at this point, this year, were more the same because they were on a huge winning streak, were blowing away the American League. And in both cases, the team showed up to a, a team that everybody expected them to beat. In the 84s, expected to be the Mariners this year, obviously the Indians. And they got blown up both times. So it happens. you know. As you keep saying, outside, this is baseball. It's the ebbs and flows of a season, and even Brad Ausmus uh, added that every team has stretches like this, even the very best. Uh, same was true in '84, yeah. and when they went through those, uh, at least one of those four-game losing streaks, it had to do with them running into some double headers yeah. at the same time. And so there you go again with the, the physical exhaustion that kind of accompanies this. It, it happens, you know, mm-hmm. and and. It, 
it's, it's cool to go back and read Sparky's comments because he's, he sits on both sides and saying, on the one hand, yeah, this is miserable. I've never felt so low. The team is low. We don't think we're ever going to win again. But also being able to stay up on the positive side and say, you know what, every team goes through this and we're going to snap out of it. Yeah. Uh, but I think people will also point at, Kurt, the odd use of Phil Coke didn't help matters uh, in this losing streak because in Cleveland – well, Brad Osmus twice got a shaky scoreless inning out of Mr. Koch. Then he tried to get a second, which was kind of odd to begin with, and both attempts ended in losses. And really, I think the worst one was the 13-inning extra inning game. I honestly believe the fans would have been a little more forgiving of that loss if it had been any other pitcher who had started that 13th inning other than Phil Koch. You know, and the question was, why not use Al Albuquerque, who ended up pitching in that inning anyway and gave up the infamous balk, but... Uh, what's your take on this use of Coke or maybe trying to, to as the quote always being, get him going? I, I think Brad needed to study the, the, the tapes from Jim Leland managing because I don't mm-hmm. think Coke is very good going multiple innings for him either. But right. uh, I, I don't know if they know what the hell to do with Coke. Uh, you know, it's it's just you, you can't trust him in any situation, frankly. So. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they keep him around at this point. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I thought, yes, they got a good inning out of him. That's, you know, perfect. That's great use out of him. They managed to get through it without anything happening. Let's move on to the next reliever. And there he is back out on the mound. Uh, hook slide is Brad Osmus. He brought out all the old cliches when it comes to Coke. Uh, he's part of the bullpen. Uh, every player needs to make, has to contribute. Uh, we're trying to get him going. But, uh, this is not more than just trying to get him going this year. This has been ongoing for pretty much since the end of the 2012 season. So I really don't know what the Tigers are thinking at this point. And uh, I, if you're a manager now. What would you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I manage 10 and 11 year olds. So <laughs> like I said, I can't send them down yeah. anywhere or kick them off the team. But you know, Phil Coke is a cliche at this point, and that's that's what's so sad about it. And you know, to look back at it, say yeah, 2012. But even in 2012, he had a stretch of what seven or eight good innings in the postseason. Yeah. You take the body of his work prior to that, and then after that. He's been bad, and last year he was incredibly bad, even against left-handers, who he was supposed to be the specialist, you know, to go get lefties. Mm-hmm. But you know what? As far as it concerns, uh, you know, Brad Osmus's use of him, uh, you know, in Monday's game, you, you can almost kind of see that there's there's a sense of helplessness there because mm-hmm. the prior game in Boston, they had used five other relievers yeah. already. There wasn't a lot of opportunity. To, you know, who are you going to pull from at that point? Right. Get Coke out there. He gives you a good inning. I can see the logic in saying, okay, I don't, I don't have any other options here. So if he gave me one good inning, maybe he can give me two. But that's just that's wishful thinking too. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Canadians are invading. <laughs> uh, I'm, I would have thought maybe it was uh, Phil Coke dive bombing you something there, but uh, <laughs> that's, that's right. but that's uh, broadcasting at the airport today. Yes, but it was. Uh, it's yeah, I, I can understand at least some of the use because you're right. The bullpen is has been wiped out because of the starting pitching struggles. I mean, uh, they've been uncharacteristically bad for four or five games now, and uh, I mean, they're, they're they even uh, the bullpen's been asked to pitch like ten innings over the last two days alone, which is why we saw Danny Work uh, pitch on Thursday. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but yeah, it's it, it was interesting though that Phil Coke suddenly went from 
the human victory cigar or the human white flag, whatever you want to call them in each case, to all of a sudden, Kurt, being used in high leverage situations. And uh, that's, I think, what bothered people is that you're trying to make something happen that just isn't going to happen. But, again, I guess the Tigers felt they had no choice in the matter. Uh, yeah, they, they really don't have choice because, you know, like you said, there's so many games all in a row and you, you, you go to the same bullpen guy. Sometimes somebody needs a day off. Yep. That, that, that's, or sometimes the freaking game goes 13 innings. It happens. Yeah, and, and we were sounding like we need a day off the way this all last few days have gone. So, but the time, so what are you? Yeah, go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll start mine right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I was going to say, who, who, do you, who do you guys, you know, kind of put the blame on in this situation? Because I've heard you know, kind of all three saying um, the blame rests with Phil Coke because he's a professional. He needs to be able to get out there and do his damn job. The blame rests with Brad Osmus because he should know better than mm-hmm. to bring Coke out and leave him in there for two innings. Or the, the blame is with Dombrowski because why is Coke even on the team? Where, where do you guys kind of fall on that? I think that's the, the final, as they say, the buck stops here. And Brad Osmus can only do so much with what he's been given, and he's been given Phil Coke as part of the back of the of his long relief crew. And I guess we also we also forgetting that Luke Pukkonen is not there because of his sore elbow. And let's not forget the bullpen was also shorthanded because they had to keep Robbie Ray on the roster because of um, Rick Porcello's side injury or his his tweak or whatever. So that meant that the Tigers were going with a very shorthanded bullpen. So I don't know if we can really assign blame. Can we, Kurt? It just happened. If we're not assigning blame, what are we here for? Yeah, well, (laughs) I'm leaving. Mm -hmm. We can we I, I I'll I'll save Al while he drinks some water over there. Uh, we can assign blame to Dave Dombrowski. Yeah, the buck stops there. In other words. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there is some some legitimacy in saying from at least from uh, Brad Osmus's you know position. Mm-hmm. Coke is on the roster. You can't let the guy just sit there and rot on the bench. If if you're going to do that, then get him off the roster, and that's you know that I think that's where it comes down to. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of fixing that roster, the Tigers uh, finally were able to get do what they needed to do for a get him back to Toledo after Thursday's start, which was pretty bad. We'll talk a little bit about that in a sec. And that cleared up a spot in the bullpen, which we really needed because, as we've been saying, the bullpen is uh, really threadbare at the moment. So uh, thanks to the extended use, extra innings, no days off, the Tigers finally called up their 2013 first-round supplemental pick. He was a 39th pick overall last year. I believe it's pronounced Nebel, Corey Nebel? Knable. Knable. Okay, Corey Knable, which is odd, but regardless of that, he's 22 years old and a right-hander, uh, and he was really raced through the system. He's pitched well at each stop since signing last summer. He's pitched at single-A West Michigan, double-A Erie, and triple-A Toledo, and overall, through those three stops, he has a .90 ERA in 50 innings. So, obviously, Kurt, this is the latest great great bullpen hope. And being he was a college pitcher drafted just for this, obviously, uh, this is the this is what the Tigers were hoping of him. I guess the question is, we just don't know if he's capable yet. Well, uh, as far as as I've read and uh, and and seen. Uh, one thing was that Osmus said they nearly took him north, you know, mm-hmm. out of spring training because yeah. they liked what they saw. Uh, the second thing is, ever since he was drafted, we knew this was coming. Just, yeah. You know, we he was drafted. They say he's going to be playing in 2014. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it's known because he 
he he's not going to develop into you know this super high ceiling guy. You, he, but he's pretty much what he's going to be. Yeah. Good, not great, but you know he he should help. But he, I don't think people should look at his minor league stats and think he's some silver bullet either. He, he's gonna he's gonna run into some issues too, but uh, he 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 should help. I, I would say. Yeah, and they do need help, and even every little bit of help, and if it means less use of Phil Coke, then all the better. But uh, Hookside, the being he played out at West Michigan, did you get a chance to see him pitch? I did. I got to about 20 or 25 games last year, and I think he pitched almost in every one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just a delight to watch. Every time they bring him in, it's like, all right, here comes you know Knabel. Uh He's he's got you know he's got the stuff. He's he's a hard thrower. Um, his fastball has got a lot of life. He's got a breaking pitch that's wicked. You're going to love watching his his motion. Unless he's corrected something from last year, he's got mm-hmm. this wicked, violent delivery that's mm-hmm. going to like fall off the mound and die. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you can say, Kurt, that he's not going to be the silver bullet, and yet, on the other hand, the stats show that he's been kind of exactly that, in the sense he's just shot through you know any batter that he's faced. So... Yeah, does that translate over into into the you know major league level? I guess we'll find out. But I have really high hopes for what we're about to see. As do I. But again, we'll uh, uh, all the reports are there that he will be a useful piece of the bullpen, and all the better because I guess recent reports about Jack Hanrahan, Kurt, were uh, actually the Tigers kind of pulled back a little bit on his rehab because they weren't very happy with one of his uh, recent bullpen outings. Okay. So, <laughs> I, I, we, I will, well, let me ask you this. Since next you, time you, I'll check show notes, I swear. Yeah, well, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, since you weren't here uh, on the show when, this, when the Hanrahan stuff was going down, uh, are we expecting too much out of Hanrahan considering he's less than a year off from Tommy John surgery and expecting him to be the pitcher he was in Pittsburgh? Is, that's way too high of expectations, isn't it? I would say expectations were too high. I mean, I, I, I don't think he, he's going to be some scrub. They wouldn't have signed him. But you know, mm-hmm. it, it it does take a little while. You know, I think we saw with uh, with Chamberlain that he he and and he had other issues beyond the Tommy John. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think we saw with Chamberlain. It, it takes a little while to get back, and that that that's fine. You know, uh, I'm not sure what Joe Nathan's stats were immediately after he he came back, but. Uh, he had a down season as well the year after that. There you go. So, yeah. so you know, it, it. You're not looking for him to, you know, be step in and be, you know, like a emergency closer or something. I, I, I don't think you would even supplant Chamberlain from the eighth inning. But you know, he, uh, it, it was an arm that could help. So that's mm-hmm. really what people should be looking at it as, and and hopefully it, it is an arm that can still help some point this year. Yeah. So it's uh, again as usual. The bullpen has been a topic that will be probably be never ending for the rest of this year. So uh, I'm sure at this time next week we may be talking about the, the either Canabel being great or Canabel being awful. And of course we'll always be talking about Phil Coke being awful. But uh, but some of the fallout of this is because Robbie Ray was finally sent down. Uh, he had two very good starts and maybe even excellent starts. If you want to break it down, considering his ERA was under one. But then he had an awful start where he was rocked for seven runs in, uh, I believe, four innings or so against the Rangers on Thursday. Uh, as expected, Robbie Ray was sent back to Toledo. I'm pretty, I think we all agree where he belongs. But I don't know about you, Hookside, but I will at least say the, the exposure of Robbie Ray to, big, to the big leagues, I would say the first uh, trial run was a success. 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like what we, we kind of predicted, mm-hmm. you know, in that, uh, you know, we said he's going to have a couple of good outings. Um, I compared him to Jose Alvarez mm-hmm. last year, you know, who the same situation came up from, you know, from Toledo, made a spot start. I think it was even for Sanchez. Yeah. That he had was. to come up and do that. And mm-hmm. he pitched wonderfully against Cleveland. Um, he did well against Boston in his next outing and then had just a, a bad outing against the Angels. So you, you kind of go, it's, this is looking very similar. Um, Ray was not ready for the big leagues. We all knew that. Mm-hmm. It was probably pressing our luck just a little bit to send him out there for the third time. But what are you going to do? You yeah. Know? yeah, and uh, I, I would hope, Kurt, at the very least, this will finally stop the let's move Drew Smiley back to the bullpen and keep Robbie Ray in the rotation talk. That was ridiculous well, to begin with. Well, it was ridiculous, but, you know, it's to be expected. It's mm-hmm. People people overreact to everything. Yeah, as do we sometimes. You know, Especially so. you, Al. Yeah. <laughs> like umpires. Yes. <laughs> oh, Al hates and, umpires. Yeah. Uh, and we could also overreact to Danny Worth, who uh, is now a shutdown reliever. I hear he's now a closer. closer yes. Yeah. He's a closer now. <laughs> uh, but it was uh, an interesting situation in that, uh, as we've been saying, the Tigers' bullpen was really uh, at in total disarray by the end of yesterday's game. Uh, the game was totally out of hand. Even uh, Brad Ausmus postgame said the likelihood of us coming from seven runs down in the ninth inning was almost nil. So, Rather than try to relieve her out there, than worry about having to give him a day off, he brought Danny Worth out of the bullpen. And it, I guess this had been uh, was in the works because earlier in the game, Osmus said he had asked Danny Worth if he was going if he was ready to pitch if needed. So it worked out to the best possible scenario in that uh, Danny Worth did not a lot of runs, struck out two, and had a wicked knuckleball. At least it was working yesterday. Uh, if you ask me, I think this was a great idea. It saved a worn-out pin and maybe loosened up a team in the midst of their worst losing streak of the season. I have no problem seeing guys having a little bit of fun even when they're losing. And they and you could tell, especially the pitching staff, was really having a kick, getting a kick out of watching Danny Worth actually get out. But, of course, there's always that other element in the fan base who thinks, well, no one can have any fun when you're losing, and they should be upset and sit in the corner. And obviously you see those comments in the usual places like sports talk, radio, and uh, you know maybe the kind of people who comment on Kurt's columns in the news. So uh, what's your thoughts on all this, Kurt? I thought it was a lot of fun, and I think we, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of Danny Worth occasionally being used in garbage time. I'm still looking for uh, Donnie Kelly, baby, to be. Uh, ah, yeah, there you go. That's that's the but you know but yeah I, I admittedly I slept through Danny Worth I mm-hmm. I turned the game off when it was like nine nothing I'm like forget this I'm gonna you're the smartest that. guy of all out of uh, well we we knew that already Al and nobody disputes <laughs> that but uh, but yeah it I I cannot get on board with those people who think this is a serious business and you should be upset when you are losing it Jesus you know get off it it's a, it's a, it's still a game yeah they're played millions but it's still entertainment and they're still humans and they should be able to have a little fun and shake it off and come back the next day yeah uh, I, again Kurt I know you you love you since analogy it's that the fans using a football analogy in a sport where most of those analogies just don't work because you know there's so there's only so little games you got to be really really upset after every single loss, and this was just one of those games, and if Danny Worth can prove to be a 
a useful occasional moment of levity and maybe get a couple outs, then more power to the Tigers. Yep. Hook slide, your thoughts on Danny Worth? I'm sitting in the corner and I'm angry. So <laughs> I don't want to talk about this stupid team anymore. I mean, they're clearly collapsing and we've yeah. overrated them. And uh, Watch out for that train, by the way. First you're being strafed, and now you're going to be run over by a friggin' train. Well, the that's, train's on my end, unfortunately. Oh, so. geez, what yeah. is with you guys? This is, <laughs> but, yeah. That's what you get for doing podcasts with doors and windows open. I'm going to go sit next to the frickin' ore dock and wait to see what happens. <laughs> you know, I would say we, we just hear shovels scraping the sidewalk over by where you're at, so you know, it, or snow. It is almost 70 degrees. Man, it's going to snow tomorrow, I bet. Probably. Yeah. Anyway, hook slide back to uh, Danny Worth. Yeah. Um, what about Danny? It was a, it was a, it well, was a fun thing to watch. Uh, uh, Brad Ausmus actually threw out their post game saying that this might not be the only time we see Danny Worth, and he's going to have him do a very occasional, maybe said every ten days or so, a bullpen session, just to keep him a little bit fresh. So you think? Jeez, oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> poor Danny Worth. You yeah. know? The guy is going to have to earn his place on this roster, you know. One way or the other, if he can't get it at shortstop, you know, then he's going to have to figure out how to become a relief pitcher. And he's going to go. <laughs> you know what? If if uh, if we can expect to only see Danny Worth pitching in garbage time, as you yeah. called it, mm-hmm. then frankly, I hope I never see him again. <laughs> I don't want to see any more garbage time games. But mm-hmm. you know, if it happens, then yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch. He's got a wicked knuckleball. He's, he has now as many strikeouts in his MLB career as he does home runs. So hey. Go for it. Yeah, and he led the team in strikeouts yesterday with two, which, oh, which really bad. says a lot. Yeah, it says how bad that game was, actually. So <laughs> That's the game where, yeah, Robbie Ray started, and mm-hmm. wow, that's sad. Yeah, and the thing is, there are going to be more games like this, unfortunately, throughout the season, because that's that's the nature of baseball. And if we see uh, Danny Wirth or, or Donnie Kelly uh, in garbage time, well, awesome, because I think baseball needs more of that kind of stuff, and uh, good. So, anyway, we got to talk about shortstop because we won't be able to talk about Stephen Drew anymore, who essentially agreed to the same deal, uh, but now prorated, to, that the Red Sox offered him in the offseason, really making it look like he and Scott Boris waved a white flag. Meanwhile, guys, Andrew Romine, uh, I, right now, uh, Hookside, I think Andrew Romine would be batting ninth in your batting order that you're putting together. Uh, he's over 19. Uh, I believe he hasn't had a hit in like two or three weeks, and he's hitting uh, for the month of May 143 with a 163 on-base percentage, and he's slugging 143. Uh, Danny Wirth has been a relative powerhouse, hitting 231, uh, slugging 269 over the past three weeks. So, no Stephen Drew, he's out the door, which I'm glad we won't have to talk about it anymore, Hook Slide, but uh, are you getting a little, at least a little bit concerned about the Black Holt shortstop? Because, yeah, the, the defense has been okay. You know, above average, I think, is the best way to call it. But, man, offensively, Andrew Romine is looking absolutely and utterly overwhelmed right now, and it's actually sad to watch. I'm afraid to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Because our last podcast, you know, I, I made the comment and said that I don't – see that Stephen Drew would be a huge upgrade. Right. I mean, yes, an upgrade, but not, you know, a mm-hmm. massive upgrade over Andrew Romine. And then, of course, Romine goes on to, you know, never get a hit ever again. Yeah. After I said that, and I had a gentleman on Twitter beg me, actually beg me to retract my <laughs> statements from the podcast. <laughs> I said, um, yeah, I, I still, look, I'm not 
necessarily, you know, a, a Romine mm-hmm. apologist or a team Romine kind of guy. Right. But I, I still believe that he's got to bounce back. There, mm-hmm. There's no way he's actually this bad. His his career stats, I know they haven't necessarily stabilized, but I, I don't think we're seeing, you know, what he's capable of. I think he should be able to hit at least 230, 240. Oh, yeah, he's and, a career uh, 250 hitter in the big leagues. Well, but in yeah, limited time. That, yeah. That career number is dropping with every right, yeah. week. So the, I think now his career number is like 230-something, yeah. maybe even lower than that. But, the, you know, the point is I, I think he's got to be able to bounce back from this. Um, and I always go back to pointing to his 2013 stats and saying that was the first year that in the majors that, that he got over 100 at-bats, and he did much, much better. So more at-bats, the better. Let him Let him keep hitting. I think he'll snap out of it. You think a step out of it, Kurt, or is this the beginning of the end of Andrew Romine as a Tiger shortstop? Well, I hope he does okay because he has the best walk-up music on the team. So that's really all that counts to me. Uh, wait, wait, what's, the, what's his walk-up music? It's from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Nice. I, I don't watch the games on television, so I don't get to hear that. Yeah, well, you miss out. But uh, I, I I am not a big believer. I, you know, mm-hmm. when you when you was traded for it, like, well, good, he's got a glove because you can't bat worth crap so you know that that's what i thought when i saw it and i mean he he he, he looks overwhelmed you know i i know you're going to look overwhelmed during a during an open 19 streak but he, he he truly has never looked like he belongs from from the from the start and i i i don't think he's going to be here after after the trade deadline i don't i you know i i i don't know if he's going to last to the trade deadline but it it seems like there's not a lot of other options in, in the organization. I'm I'm not a big believer in any you know in in AAA or anything. I don't think those guys are going to be ready. But I can't see him being the Tigers shortstop after the trade deadline. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Kurt, because the Tigers look like they're trying to force the issue a little bit at AAA because they called up uh, uh, Eugenio uh, Suarez to play shortstop for the Mudhens, and they've Yo, also yeah. And also, uh, obviously, Hernan Perez has been playing some shortstop at, at uh, AAA Toledo as well. Uh, I guess if uh, if things continue the way they are at Romine, you, you think they may start forcing the issue and say, we've got to try something, so let's see if these guys stick to the wall? Well, you know, they they thought about it in spring training, too, and those mm-hmm. guys weren't ready. And I don't see that two two months or three months in, in the minor leagues is going to suddenly make them ready either and and frankly those guys are never going to be everyday players in the first place neither of them yeah uh they're they're you know they they might have short uh utility careers you know you bring a glove you're going to be able to find your place onto somebody's team for some amount of time uh and both those guys bring gloves but neither of them are ever going to you know hit and they're 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 not going to have the kind of glove that keeps your starter with a with a poor bat and that's the same issue with romine so i I don't believe those guys are the solution, not this year anyway, and probably not next or ever. Well, thanks for depressing us, Kurt. So That's why I'm here. <laughs> okay, then, guys, who, who is, who's the alternative then? Right now, there isn't one. Astrubo Cabrera. That's who I think they're going to trade for, just like they In other words, it's a deadline move. Yep. Yeah. Really? Astrubo Cabrera. Cabrera. And then, but they're ready to wash your hands of them in Cleveland. And and he, his contract expires after this year, so they can you know they can they can figure out if uh, who I mean I mean Jose Iglesias is you know shins are are ever going to be fine again. So it, it 
it's the perfect move for the Tigers. Take a look at Cabrera, decide about the future, uh, play him out the rest of this year. Cleveland doesn't mind him anyway. Cleveland doesn't mind trading in the division, neither do the Tigers. Uh, it, it adds up to being the most likely scenario in my head. Well, you I can't admit that uh, can't say he would not be an upgrade to say you know compared to what they have right now and what they probably have in the minor leagues. So, but yeah, I have a feeling we're all going to be continuing to talk about the shortstop position until the trade deadline. And if Cabrera is a guy who's available or whomever else might become available, because hell, none of us saw the uh, Iglesias trade coming either. So, yeah, I, I was I guess I was a lot more okay with them possibly picking up Stephen Drew as a free agent. The the, the notion of them trading for mm-hmm. a shortstop, even you know, if it is yeah. Cabrera. And for a second is, straight season too. It's scary to me because you kinda go, Okay, well who are they who are they gonna lose? Who who can they give to the Indians or whoever? It's not gonna cost much for two months of rental. That's or, the thing. I don't think yeah, because it didn't cost you know, that's that I think Kurt's got the the point is that the Indians aren't going to be asking for that much because they know this guy's just going to be one a rental and two he's Average to below average at best. So what? You know, trade for Peralta. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. They, they got him for I think a minor league reliever who never made it to the big leagues. So okay, there you yeah. go. So I don't worry <laughs> so much it. about what they gave up. I, I guess that's what Kurt is trying to say. If uh, the odds are, uh, knowing especially knowing the Tigers' history with dealing prospects, uh, you know the Tigers know who they can get rid of, and it's not going to hurt so much. So. All right, let's move on from shortstop because that just gets Kurt all cranky. So what doesn't? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but the Tigers are apparently still winning the trade, guys. Uh, Prince Fielder, it was announced after uh, interesting after yesterday's win against uh, loss against Texas, I should say, uh, that he will undergo season-ending neck surgery this coming Tuesday. Fielder ending his season hitting 247 with three home runs. His power having all but disappeared, he was slugging 360 this year. So, and it's kind of a continuation of last year. He was okay last year, but the power was would disappear for long stretches, and it, it actually completely disappeared this year in Texas. Meanwhile, Ian Kinsler continues to play like an all-star. So, this is one of those cases, Kurt, where uh, bad luck on the Rangers' case because I don't, I, I mean, everybody, I think even we believed that Fielder was going to have a big year at that short right field porch in Texas, but sometimes injuries or stuff you just don't see coming get in the way. Well, you know, the Tigers won the trade the second they finished it. I mean, <laughs> it, that's just the truth. They got out from under that outrageous contract they should have never given him. They won the trade the second they, they made it. You know, so that's that's just the way I see it. Uh, yeah, I think we all thought he would, you know, bounce back, nice hot Texas summers, nice porch for him to hit the ball into. Sure, I think where we, we all expected him to, to do something. But, you know, uh, the timetable adds up. And, you, you know, you, you saw the quotes from Tory Hunter saying, you know, he complained about that, you mm-hmm. know, starting in, like, summer last year. And that's, that's when the the issues for Fielder seemed to hatch, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I know, and I hate to even bring it in, but, you know, a lot of people are trying to link Fielder's downfall in Detroit to uh, to the rumors and the, the divorce mm-hmm. and all that other things. But that timetable didn't add up because that divorce was filed in May and he mm-hmm. kept hitting for several months, uh, yeah. you know. So, but the timetable of, well, it, you know, his neck was bothering him, his shoulders was bothering him in, in, in summer. Yeah, that, that adds up to when, when Fielder started to fall off. So, you know, it, it makes sense now. Yeah, and what's interesting, uh, Hookslide, is that neither team required a physical for the trade to be consummated. 
And even though the Rangers are saying, well, this this wouldn't probably would not have been found in a physical, and, there, and supposedly he was looked over in the spring and nothing turned up, it still seems odd with so much money at stake that neither team would require uh, a, a player to be physically examined, which I guess really goes to show, boy, did both teams want to get rid of those players. And are the Texas fans angry about that? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, they're calling for, uh, what's his name, John Daniels, right? Yeah, and there's a whole big mess of him anyway going with uh, Nolan Ryan and all that as well. That's right, that's yeah. right. But, boy, they, they want his head on a platter right now for not, you know, putting Prince Fielder through the physical, you know, before putting up that kind of money for that long of a contract. Uh, you know, my only question now is, is he even going to bounce back from this? Yeah. And, you know, or is this kind of an ongoing, you know, physical decline or whatever? Does he come back next year and do just as poorly you know, I don't even know. Like, what happens if he, if he's only good for a year or two, and they've still got three, four years left on that contract? That's when uh, supposedly I was reading about this earlier. There is a, an insurance policy involved, and I'm sure if things get to the point where, as you said, Fielder continues to decline, maybe the Rangers will try the force to issue when it comes to uh, a medical uh, dispensation of the contract via insurance, but that would get like really half. that would get really messy. It would probably involve the players' union and would get really ugly really quick. The Rangers could find themselves very quickly between a rock and a hard spot. Yeah, like I said, I think they're only getting fifty cents on the dollar on the insurance policy anyway. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a lot of money to eat, considering how much that contract was was worth. Yeah, yeah, because I think they're uh, if considering he's going to miss this year, I believe, uh, and obviously, like any disability deal is not going to kick in right away. So reportedly the Rangers would only get $2 million back for this year. And considering what is he making, you know, uh, billions and billions of dollars, at least that's what it seems like. That's essentially pocket money. So uh, yeah, I think he's yeah. getting somewhere around 20 million a year. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah, yeah. 20, 20, he, he's owed 144 million after this year. Uh, so it's 24 this year, so he's probably owed like what, 18 million for the rest of this season. Yeah, that's 162 million, and the Tigers are giving him 30, so that's still 132 million. Yeah, that's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the second guy though that, that they mm-hmm. traded in the offseason, fielder and uh, and then Doug Fister that yeah. ended up on the disabled list. What what does Dave Dombrowski do to these guys before they leave town? Uh, I'm guessing voodoo dolls. I, uh, yeah, that's it. I, I always say that he just he makes them sign a really really intense no no compete clause. So. <laughs> I know, or it could be one of those uh, you know that one of those texts from DD gets involved in there somehow, and I don't know. But it's just amazing that uh, the the Tigers have come out looking so good in both these deals, considering the huge amount of downside that could have been there. And yes, things can change by next year, but. Uh, Again, Dave Dombrowski obviously knows what he's doing, and and that's why we are just uh, making snarky comments on a podcast while he's being talked about becoming uh, commissioner of baseball. And, Kurt, let me ask you a quick one about that. Is that something we should be worried about? Because right now the Dombrowski to become commissioner thing is coming to uh, – is being brought up in the media one more time, and you'd have to believe if he was given the opportunity, he'd jump at that job in a heartbeat. So – well, of course, I mean, yeah, I think you'd be a little worried, but I mean, there, there's a lot of unknowns still. I mean, you know, how how, how much has he, he he trained, you know, his number two in command, uh, you know, Avila, mm-hmm. 
who doesn't pronounce his name like his son does yep. for whatever reason. Uh, and and you know if John Westhoff is still in uh, in Detroit, he's been a, a big player in what in what the Tigers do. Uh, you know, but uh, behind the scenes guy. So I mean, there's there's still a good management team in place in Detroit. And mm-hmm. So it it it, it really. Yeah, I mean, I think you, when you when you talk about the possibility of losing Dombrowski, of course you worry, but I, I don't think we're talking about you know, no, you you go from being number one to being number thirty. I think there's there's a good team, and it just depends if that team is still in place. Yeah, and and that's a, a good point in that uh, it would be very disappointing if things if Dave Dombrowski for whatever reason decided to move on that things quickly fell apart because of that. That really meant that Dave Dombrowski didn't do his job because part of his job, as you said, is developing a team around him that can you know, keep things afloat. So well, you know that, what That's why Bless You Boys is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Dombrowski has been great mm-hmm. in terms of signing the right free agents and making the right trades. So as long as he is the one who arranges for his own replacement, you know, trades for his own replacement, yeah. then we'll, I'll be completely happy with whoever he picks. Yeah, and you would have to believe, considering if this, if that's how it would go down, that he would be, become commissioner. Yeah, you would think he would definitely have a say in as to uh, who takes over as general manager. So, but again, that's that's a ways off. That's at least a year. But it's just interesting that the rumors are once again popping up. So, but with that, uh, we pretty much run to the end of this podcast because. Well, uh, we wanted to rush through it for one thing. Kurt needs to take a nap, and my mother's trying to call me. So we need to wrap this up. So anything you'd like to talk, um, bring up Hookside before we call uh, call off the show? Uh, no, I guess I'm still Team Avila. Um, yeah. That's maybe my, my, my closing comment, that uh, he's really picked it up in the last uh, – even the last week, he's hit over – well, he's hit 300, uh, knocked in uh, four RBIs, hit two home runs. His OPS is – over a thousand right now, so um, he just continues to make me look good. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my closing comment. Yeah, Team yeah, yeah. Isn't it, yeah. Plus, isn't his on base percentage now pushing three sixty five, three seventy right now? His on base percentage is uh, three sixty seven, and that's number two, just behind uh, Victor Martinez. Yeah, but he, but he's not only hitting two forty; he needs to be benched. Oh, good lord! I hope yeah. we're the end of that. Well, God help us if his dad ever does get the uh, general manager. Yeah. Manager position. <laughs> uh, Kurt, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Is there anything you'd like to mention before uh, we hit uh, the stop button? Well, first, just to comment on what uh, what, what Hookslide said. After I, you know, I wrote that column about uh, the Tigers don't have any holes except shortstop. Uh, I, the only email I got said you forgot about catcher. They got to get rid of Avila. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I just crack up laughing. Like, what do what? How can people hate him so much? That's yeah. it's ridiculous. But no, other than that, no, I don't have anything to say other than nap time, nap time, nap time. Exactly. And all I'll add as well is this too shall pass. As we've said over and over, we've mentioned on Twitter and on Facebook and on the site and on this podcast. The Tigers likely aren't as good as they were during the winning streak, but they definitely aren't as bad as they are during this. Losing streak, everything will be fine. They are still the classes of the division, and I'm not concerned in the least. You know. So, with that, let's wrap it up. So, uh, Hookslide, where can they find you online? Uh, on Twitter, Hookslide BYB at Hookslide BYB. All right, uh, Kurt, how about you? Sometimes. 
<laughs> yeah, we're gonna keep. We should kind of keep your Twitter stuff uh, on the down low, as they say. You cause too much trouble as a place. So. <laughs> hey, uh, it wasn't just me. Uh, they were losing with Melissa too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We one of these days we'll have to break it down and figure out who uh, has the best record on Twitter and then force them to stay on Twitter. Oh my I god, the pe- people were so excited to get me back out there just because of, you know, breaking the, the streak, and guess what? Yeah. The game that I tweeted, they lost worse than they did on any of the previous three days. Yeah. Combined! 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 Well, let me just add this, that the Tigers are far over 500 when I write recaps, and they're 0-1 when I don't. So, keep that in mind as well. So. Yeah, well, you're the one stuck writing recaps now, sucker. Yeah, that's the, that's the bad part. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up this show because Kurt needs to take a nap and uh, i got to call my mom. So, until this time next week, where we may or may not have Kurt, but Cookslide will be with us. This is Al Beaton saying uh, good afternoon and good luck, along with Cookslide. Welcome back, Kurt. And uh, Kurt mentioned. Wake, hopefully wake Kurt up in time for the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs> That'll get him out of the old ballpark. That's good advice. Thanks, big fella.